My name's William Burchell. I'm 38 from Ebervale in South Wales. Take us back first, Will. Where did road racing all start for you? Aberdeen Park. My brother taking me to watch. Ian Locker going round. He's the standout. And then later on watching Jay Bellasmith, probably being a fanboy of Jay's, who I now spend quite a bit of time with through racing and friendly. How weird is that? Somebody that you sort of grown up watching? Strange. The wife takes the mickey out to me because they don't understand how you was a fan and then you become friendly and you're like, they are just basically a brother now. But you go back to being stood in the middle of the park watching them racing and just wanting to be half as talented as what you were seeing. And now you're getting on the line with him. We go pit biking. You're battered by him. Him and another lad, Glenn Phillips. Glenn is a really, really good top-level motocross rider. So surrounded by some real good people that you'd like to try and emulate. And the Welsh Valleys is full of strong riders that we would like to be as good as. And how easy was the progression for you once you decided, after your brother took you there and you decided, actually, this is what I want to do? How easy or not has that journey been? Not, not at all. So I'm 38. First had a go at racing when I was 19. That stopped when I was 20, 21. Didn't last very long at all initially. And then life took over. Had three kids and we got back into it probably seven years ago, eight years ago. What was it that drew you back into it? Just our love of motorcycling. Wanting to be right, always ridden, always ridden on the road, always track aid, always been around it and watched and tried your best to learn and see what people are doing to get going. And then it's just that you need to be doing what you want to do. You put your commitment into it and you try hard, don't you? And you say it sort of stopped for you when you were sort of 19, 20. Was there a specific reason for that or was it just the way things worked out? Just how it worked out. Just how it worked out. And then you get back into it. It's the people that draws you in, the people in the paddock, the life that it creates. It's a family. It's not just a community. It is a family. Why do you think that is? Like-minded individuals. It's the old saying, isn't it? You can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. And once you're in the paddock, the family chooses you. You got back into it. I think it's fair to say you've got quite a hectic family life, three children, working as well. It's a question I continually ask to everybody because I think it's it's important to try and convey what life is like when you're trying to juggle all of those things. Man, it, it really is. Oldest boy is in college. My middle child plays rugby and my daughter loves horses. So you're trying to keep each of them happy in what they want to do. I'm really, really lucky with how my two boys support the racing. The oldest lad, 16, rides on the road. My 14-year-old, if I go racing, he's with me. School absolutely hates me, but anywhere I go, he comes with me. And has he got an interest in doing it himself maybe as well? I think he'll be better off as a mechanic. I would trust him putting wheels in my bike and go and ride without checking more than I trust a lot of other people. And how often has he worked as part of your team? Well, he's 14 now, so since he was seven. The first Oliver's Mount meeting this year, he went with Reese Hardesty to help him look after three bikes. There's not many 14-year-olds off away with riders to go and be part of their pit crew and main parts of their crew. And in terms of how your family generally, obviously your boy's very much into it, is your, is your wife a bike fan? We've been together since we were 14 in school. We've been around Europe. Her as a pillion, never had an interest in riding, but does love biking, loves the community that we're involved in. We are fully immersed in it as I run a suspension shop. I'm as deep into it as you could possibly be. And this is not a solo hobby by any stretch of the imagination, because when you decide to do it seriously, it does need everybody's support. Fully. 
without her keeping me in check, none of it would take place is probably the best way to put it. She is the backbone of what goes on, getting us there, what goes on when we're there, and probably bringing us home as well. So, Will, at what point did you decide that you wanted to race here in the Isle of Man? Oh, before I'd even thrown my leg over a bike on a racetrack, from being stood at Aberdeen, and you, you get to learn as a child about what goes on in racing and where they're racing and then you start learning about the island and there is just a draw Reese always calls it the island of dreams being there with him at TT the last couple of years watching him set off down Bray Hill and this year was the worst because I worked with Reese and Paul Potchy Williams and you're watching the boys roll off down Bray Hill and you're like I just want to go and follow I need to be going down there with them and experiencing what they're trying to talk about you just can't grasp what they're coming in and saying, and especially Paul with it in the pheasant this year, he's he's describing it and it just sounds... Uh, I don't think somebody outside racing would understand the excitement that it puts in you listening to how close they were to it going so wrong. And that is hard, I think, for a lot of people to understand because while, you know, if you quite like risks, maybe you'd go to a theme park and go on a really big roller coaster. But actually, what you're describing is something, I think, unless you are completely immersed in it, absolutely beyond most people's comprehension. They can't. They can't understand. You speak to road riders. My custom base is road riders and they come up and they're talking about being fast on the road. And the first thing you say to them is, go and do a track day. It will educate you about yourself and your bike. And they almost look fearful. But the reality is, once you've learned what you can do as a partnership bike and rider, road riding becomes safe. But the partnership those boys create on the mountain, there can't be anything else like it in the world. There can't be. So how have you found the process of, of making that dream come true for you what what sort of steps did you go through as much racing as possible to get the signatures up we were aiming to do Aberdeen Park last year and I crashed at Donington broke my wrist ended up having eight pins and a plate in the wrist and the biggest problem after the crash was the head and for the first months after the accident you're like yep let's get back to it straight away and as soon as I threw my leg over a bike at Castle Coombe got to turn one and just close the throttle and like, you can have that, boys. And it took me a winter's worth of pit bike in with Reese, battling, and when I say battling, hammering each other around M4 karting on little pit bikes for the head to actually click back in and be aggressive and being able to attack on the bike again. And at what point did you feel that you'd got back to that position? When myself and Reese dropped in for a 40-minute session and never backed off, it was just starting to drop off the grip with the circuit was getting a little bit of moisture on it and we never backed off and you came away that evening and you're like, we're good to go. If I could go and throw my leg over a big bike now, I would be in the right place. And it, it proved it the first time we managed to get on the R6. It sounds like, you know, obviously you had that crash at Donington and the physical injury, your wrist, you know, you, you can kind of get over that. It sounds like you weren't expecting to have any issues fear-wise almost afterwards. No, not at all. And it, it it was fear and it really was fear and the weekend at Castle Coombe I qualified 11th out of I think 22 and just couldn't get in the fight and the last race of the weekend the worst thing you could ever do and everyone will know it is stall on the grid at the start and as the lights went out it just stalled so I made myself as big as possible waving my arms and the grid has thankfully gone past and you're trying to gather your thoughts because the boys coming from the back are passing you so quick like I could have gone wrong and you've watched them go 
out of sight at Castlecombe up the hill and away. And it took me two laps to see a bike. And I managed to pass six before the end of the race. And having no pressure, just riding around, you've already got it wrong. So you're just there to ride. It was the most relaxed race of the whole weekend. Then it, because my lads were stood on the pit wall. And it showed heart not to just turn back in pit lane and give up because you've got it wrong. And passing those six, just improving the whole race. And that was the turning point. And that's it, isn't it? I guess everybody has their own definition in every race of, of what success is going to be. And I, I suppose that proves a lot to you when you've been through that. And then you, as you say, you managed to pass those six people. It kind of proves why you're there almost. Well, it showed that you weren't ready to give up because they operated on my wrist on the Monday. I walked out of hospital midday on the Tuesday and got on my nana at 12 o'clock that night to come to TT last year. And we were there with Reese all the practice week and I had to come home for race week because of appointments with the doctor. And the whole time you're there, yes, it was sore. Body was a bit battered. That's all I'd like to do is throw a set of leathers on and follow these boys. And then it wasn't until actually getting back on the bike that the little demons raised their heads. Thankfully, they'd all gone out, and I think we're in a much better place and in the hand every time we get on the bike. So talk us through what your life looks like right now as we're speaking. Hectic, hectic, very hectic. First proper road race. I think there's more panic in my wife than me at the minute, and that'll probably change come Monday. It's just hectic. The R6 is still in the process of being built to go to the Southern Red. Half past four this morning, I walked out of the workshop after pressing the button and it didn't fire. So we're just going back in to try and find out why and hopefully it'll be ready today and everything's being loaded tomorrow and away we go. And what was it about the Southern 100 that you really wanted to, I mean, presumably this is a, another meeting that you've been to before and watched. No, I haven't. I uh, probably got the wrong attitude, but I've always looked at stuff that I never want to go there until I can be involved. Because just being on the outside isn't isn't enough to see what you want to see. So until you can actually turn up, be part of it, I've never bothered. I've watched it on the telly, watched it from afar and loved it. But my introduction to the Southern was the Sunday of the pre-TT this year. And the only red flag of the meeting I understand was the sidecars in the last race. And I was stood just inside Stadium Corner when those lads got it wrong. And I can only describe it as watching a glitter cannon going off as they went down the wall. And that was my introduction to the Southern Hundred course. And yet you're still sitting here a couple of days away thinking, yeah, can't wait. Uh, I really am because you understand what's going through their head. And you made such a slight error going into Stadium that created catastrophic problems. And the only thing that really bothered me about it was the people stood on the side. Myself and my lad were stood inside the wall at stadium. There's two lads led in the middle of that road that you know have just gone through a ringer and they are probably really hurt. And the crowds, they all just flocked in to have a stand and watch what was going on. And I made my lad stand still. We know moving. And it took them nearly an hour to close the doors on that ambulance. And that was the bit that really bothered me people's attraction to the pain I couldn't move until them ambulance doors was closed and they had moved them boys away I was not going down to have a look at that situation because you you wouldn't want to look in on your own situation so at that moment in time when them boys are in pain that's for them and the paramedics to deal with it I think they should be given privacy and it's, it's a spectator sport it's almost it's the blood sport mentality isn't it they love seeing that little bit of pain nah 
I don't mind putting myself in the pain, but I wouldn't want to go and see others in it. So focus now for you. You arrive when on the island? Uh, Saturday morning, six o'clock. Set up camp, get the head round it, go and have a, a drive round, a walk round. I'm probably more keen to go and do TT laps, if anything, to try and get up for the Manx next year. The Southern Hundred's always known as the, the friendly races over here. There is such a tight community there of, of people who make that event happen. How helpful have you found them in terms of getting you ready? Brilliant. Any questions asked, they've been answered with good information, helpful and friendly. It's brilliant. But I haven't been to a meeting anywhere yet where that isn't the case. I find anybody involved in racing is there because they want to see bikes on the grid and they want to see people achieve their dreams. And that's the only way you can look at people running clubs. Darley Moore, North Gloucester, Tom Varney, brilliant little road race up in mid Wales. It's on an old military base. You just get people whose hearts are so big for the sport. That is all they want to see is bikes on the grid. Aberdeer Park, your man running that, well, the whole team with Aberdeer Park, they just love the event. And they do it because they want to see bikes going around their circuit. Who have you got coming with you then? Myself, my two lads, my wife. Really, really lucky to be surrounded by good people. Not all of them are coming. I have two really good sponsors in Canopy Pro, Robin Beeman. He's a mentor from the motocross world as a rider. And he was a journalist or a columnist for a number of years. And he came on board as a mentor and has supported me for years. His his approach to racing is, is really, really good. And then Ross Williams bought an R6. He was riding a mini twin himself. So he's provided the R6 for us to go to the Southern and do all the road racing. We're going to chase a bit of island next year. And just surrounded by some fantastic people. Gavin Prosser, the track day tyres. I appreciate it's probably the same in any event that you get into or any culture. But the people you get surrounded by in motorcycling, they just want to see it go. So Gavin at track day tyres, he just keeps giving a little bit and just helps you get going. Phil Bevan track days, we get free track time down there to do a little bit of testing. We provide the suspension support for the weekends, but Phil allows us to go and have track time and we're not paying the big money to get a little bit of testing time. So there's so many people that I owe thank yous to for where we actually are. And that must make such a huge difference. I guess, though, also, Will, it means that when you are out there racing, you're not just doing it for you. I imagine that there's that sense of, of what you owe people in terms of their support, maybe. Yeah, the standout moment for me was finishing third at Brands Hatch last year. And Robin, I think Robin is 65. I came down Paddock Hill after taking the, the checkered flag and I'm looking at this chap who's my friend, my mentor. He is quite close to a father figure. But the only way I could describe watching him as I'm coming up into the Druids was he was hovering three feet off the floor, cheering like a kid. And it was emotional because they have put as much into this as as I have. And him and my lad are just going berserk because you, you managed to finish third. It does mean a lot to everyone and we're not doing it for anything big prize money. We're never going to be as fast as the top men, but we're all doing it for our own reasons. And what do you think it's like for them watching you go round? Uh, if I was going to speak as a father, it's probably petrifying because I watch my lads ride around. We're lucky to live on a farm and I watch them riding around our grounds or messing about on pit bikes and like, oh, that's going to hurt if it goes wrong. 
So I, I, I can see it looking as a father, but when I'm on the bike, I don't, I don't overly think about it. Well, we have everything crossed that your R6 behaves itself and uh, gets going uh, very soon so that you can get all your final preparations done. In terms of where you would like to be this time next week, because was, as we're speaking, we're a week away from the, the final race day of the Southern. What is it you really would like to achieve while you're over here? I think my wife would like me to answer that and say to be able to get on the boat to go home. <laughs> uh, honestly, to absorb everything about the experience. I spend a lot of time with Reese Hardesty and Jay is the same about Aberdeen, but they like, just turn up, have a go, no expectations. Ride round, be safe, come home, it's learning. And let's go and do some laps of the TT. Amazing. Will, thank you so much for talking to us. We can't wait to see how everything goes for you next week and we'll catch up with you. But uh, hopefully a little bit more sleep, eh, before you get over here? Nah, we'll sleep on the boat on the way.